It's Sunday morning. Time for the great outdoors with Charlie Potter. Brought to you by the all-new Chevy Silverado and ChevyDriveChicago.com on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Good morning. Welcome to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. Thank you for being with me. If I sound upbeat this morning, it's because I am upbeat. I'm always upbeat, but particularly so on this Sunday morning. I have just returned from the marshes of South Louisiana, and I have seen a sight that, well, I, I just never thought was possible. And, and so I want to share that with you this morning and hopefully you'll also have the enthusiasm I have that amidst what has been now nearly a century of decline of the marshes of South Louisiana, we are we potentially have, albeit very small uh, by comparison to the scope of the problem, we have some encouraging news. And that encouraging news, well, before I get to the encouraging news, let me say that in November of 1982, so 41 years ago, I put a 12-and-a-half-foot Boston whaler into the Mississippi River at Venice, Louisiana, and had it headed south down the river to the mouth of the river to the Passalute National Wildlife Refuge, State Refuge, rather, where I spent a month when I was working with Field and Stream and Outdoor Life and writing about outdoor experiences. I spent a month in the marsh, and after Hurricane Katrina, I went back to that same place at that point some 30-odd years later. There was nothing left. During that period of time, the Louisiana marshes that I had known so well in that spectacular 60-day period that I was there in the late fall of 82 and the early winter of 83, almost everything that I knew was gone. Channels through thick marsh. Miles of marsh and grass, spectacular little backwater holes where birds, not only ducks, but but all kinds of shorebirds lived. All gone, all anywhere from six inches to two feet deep now of water. That's the Gulf of Mexico. As far as I could see, I was so shocked. Of course, I've heard, as, as so many of us have heard over the years, about the loss of the Louisiana marsh, which is is the largest wetland loss going on on earth and it is uh it's devastating to uh the future of of the estuaries of the gulf of mexico and also to our oil and gas industry not to mention how devastating it is to new orleans in the future so over this period of time some now 41 years the marsh has been eroding at at a spectacular pace in areas where you couldn't see any water now you look at the gulf of mexico so against that backdrop, seven years ago, I met Ryan Lampert, who is very well known in South Louisiana. He started and owns Cajun Outfitters, which is the largest outfitter for, for redfish and snapper fishing and, and trout fishing, rather, in, in Louisiana. A spectacular guy. But more than anything else, he knows the marsh. He's lived it. Seven years ago, I visited him, and he told me about his dream to try to begin to restore the marsh on the east side of the river at Burris, Louisiana, which is most of the way down towards Venice, which is indeed the end of the road. 
on the North American continent. And he told me about this dream. He went out in his fishing boat, and we looked at the area, and all it was was water. He told me he needed to raise probably a million dollars to begin to restore this marsh. And he said, I can restore thousands, maybe tens of thousands of acres if I just get the chance to do it. Meanwhile, the U.S. government, Corps of Engineers, which have spectacular engineers and know what they're doing, have projects that cost into the billions of dollars. And Ryan Lambert was saying, I'm just the guy in the marsh, but I know the marsh and I know how it can begin to be reclaimed. All I need is a diversion from the river, a natural diversion. I need a, I need a drag line on a barge. I need some money to operate it, and I'll start to rebuild the march. And I have all the respect in the world for the engineers. But I, uh, I don't have an engineering degree, but I live in this marsh, and I know what this river does. So to the credit, to the immense credit of Ducks Unlimited, Nobody came up with any money. Here's a guy with no degree in engineering who says he can, he can begin to show others how to fix the marsh in a way that's very, very cost-effective. It doesn't involve billion-dollar projects. Ducks Unlimited listened to Ryan Lambert, and they advanced his cause, and they got a North American Wetlands Conservation Grant, which DU helped drive. And on the belief that a layperson with a lot of knowledge on the ground, could maybe do something that would, others could learn from. Ducks Unlimited got Ryan Lambert a million dollars. So if you sometimes wonder where your conservation dollars go, I can tell you, Ducks Unlimited hit a home run on this, as you're about to hear. Ducks Unlimited basically took a risk, calculated, but they took a risk, that a person who knew how to operate heavy equipment, lived on the marsh, could do something in a very cost-effective way and maybe show others how to do something. So they, they basically said, here's a million dollars. You got one chance to get this right. And um, they were obviously pulling for them. There were a lot of skeptics. So two years ago, when the money came, Ryan Lampert went to work. I was there this week. I'm going to tell you, folks, Mark Twain was wrong. They are making more land, and Ryan Lampert is showing us how to do it with a million-dollar grant. And in two years, he has created over 4,000 acres of marsh that was open water to the Gulf of Mexico. 4,000 acres, and while I'm talking to you during this half an hour this morning, that land mass is growing because every second of every day, there is land being built as a result of what he did. And I won't try to describe what he did because it, it, it's kind of complicated. But he got a drag line, and he deepened some channels, and he caused the river currents off the river into the marsh to change directions. And he put some structures under the water. He actually used duck blinds to help build soil. And it's building so quickly. He had the benefit of a high river, for sure. His cost per acre now is getting down into the area of less than $200 an acre. And as he said to me this week, every day it's coming down. In 10 years, it might be pennies an acre. Could he build 40,000, 50,000 acres of marsh for a million dollars? It's quite possible. What he needs, all of you listening, what Ryan Lampert needs 
is for the federal government to get behind him and the ideas he has and watch how Marsh can be created. We need the huge diversions the Corps of Engineers wants to build to rebuild the Louisiana marshes. But we also need the ingenuity of the private sector and of people who live in the marsh and know how the water flows. It'd just be like you, any of you who live on a river. You know how that river works. Well, Ryan Lampert knows how the Mississippi River works in the lower areas and its lower reaches, and they call it the bird foot. He's got lots of ideas, and he doesn't need lots of money. Probably for 5 or $10 million, Ryan Lampert can create land masses over the next decade that will rebuild the marsh in a way that no one thought possible. So the Corps of Engineers, which, as you know, I occasionally think the Corps of Engineers needs, needs some direction. Corps of Engineers estimates are somewhere in the neighborhood of $40,000 an acre to build land. Ryan Lampert's ex- estimates are $150 an acre and declining because land's being built once he spends the money. It's a remarkable thing. So am I optimistic? I can tell you sitting here this morning, I am as optimistic, I'm as optimistic as I've ever been about the future of Louisiana's marsh. But I'm actually more optimistic because for the first time with my own eyes, I saw what can be done. And where just seven years ago there was open water to the horizon in the Gulf of Mexico, now there's marsh grass and willows and growing mudflats to the horizon, and you can't see the open water. It's spectacular. The Louisiana marshes can be saved. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be inexpensive. It's going to take ingenuity. What it's really going to take is guys like Ryan Lampert who are willing to do this, who've lived in the marsh. So it's an exciting story. Hopefully it's a template for much more to come. And for all of us who care about wetlands in America, we need to get behind guys like Ryan Lampert, particularly in Louisiana. This can be done. It's going to take time. But here on the Great Outdoors Show, I'm here to tell you I saw the first steps. And to Mr. Mark Twain, I never thought you were wrong when you said there, ain't, there isn't any more land. They're not making it. Ryan Lampert's making it. There's hope for Louisiana. I'll be back in just a moment with much more on the Great Outdoors. And when I do, I'll talk a little bit about what's going on potentially around the country with shotgun noise and people who move into areas where hunting and Guns have been fired for a long time. I thank you so much for listening. I'll be back in just a moment. This is Charlie Potter in the Outdoor Voices Chicago in America, 720 WGN, and first a message from our longtime sponsors, the Northwestern Indiana and Chicagoland Chevrolet dealers. When sunrise is your alarm clock, life is different. You eat a ditch for breakfast. Love the smell of diesel in the morning with a hot cup of joe. The weather report is 40% chance of mud. And corporate pull, that's 36,000 pounds of towing capacity with a gooseneck trailer. Mudden is PTO. You know sometimes when the paved road ends, the fun begins. Chevy Silverado 3500 HD is waiting to run over something, anything. No road, no problem, because the best way out is always through. A trouble rides a swift horse, and you don't want trouble pulling a backhoe loader. Chevy Silverado HD is a wake-up call. Now, during Chevy truck season, get a $1,000 accessory allowance toward the purchase of a new truck with accessories. You worked hard for your money. Spend it smart. So see your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealer today or go to ChevyDriveChicago.com for all the details. Chevy Silverado HD. Power up and experience life in HD. 
It's Charlie Potter and the Great Outdoors on Chicago's very own 720 WGN. Welcome back to the Great Outdoors Show. Charlie Potter, your host here on WGN Radio. And my excitement over what I saw in Louisiana this week, it, I, it, I hope you can hear it coming through the radio this morning. I'm just so thrilled at, at the potential after four decades of, of watching this personally go away before my eyes. It's, it's fantastic. I'm going to shift to something that's not so fantastic, but hopefully it's something we can get our arms around. Several months ago, I was talking about how people who move into areas where hunting and uh, shooting sports activities have been carried out for a long time inevitably complain about the noise. This is true across America, almost not, not only major metropolitan areas, but just subdivisions. And it struck me this week as I was uh, talking with individuals who've dealt with this around the, around the country that we somehow need to have laws in place that protect the historical rights of individuals to do the things they did on their land when people who move in across the street may not like it. This, hap- this comes up all the time, whether it's duck hunting on a river, whether it's shooting sports like happened in Northbrook, play targets, or whether you're simply just pheasant hunting. The discharge of firearms in what was rural America is now being challenged by the ever-increasing growth of suburban America. The state of Illinois has a very, very strong wildlife code which protects the rights not only of shooting preserves, but protects the rights of sportsmen and women to discharge firearms, and it's, it's, it's a law the state has. Other states are passing laws in their constitution, which have hunting and as, a, as a constitutional right of the state. Some of them are going so far as to say, you know, it doesn't matter. If you build a high-rise next to a place that was a farm, and they've been hunting there, they have the right to keep hunting there. So I think as we, as a society, continue to, to watch rural America get pushed out. And if you live in rural America, you don't have a problem of a, of a subdivision popping up next to you. But if you live in the Chicagoland region, for example, or you live around Milwaukee, or you live around Minneapolis, you do have this problem, or Indianapolis, all of which I'm familiar with, all of which have have dealt with this or are dealing with this. But a landowner who's been there should not have what they've been doing on their property lawfully and legally suddenly infringed upon because somebody moves in and builds a house or a shopping mall across the street and doesn't like what they're doing. I think it is personally... I just think it's it, it so undermines private property rights. When you buy a house or build a house next to a farm where they've been goose hunting or they've been shooting clay targets, sporting clay ranges, you know you're buying a piece of property in proximity to a place where shotguns are being fired. You You know that. It's not a surprise. And yet the first thing you do is complain about the noise. After you've bought the house, 
You didn't do your homework. And across the country, this is happening. It, it, it doesn't make, it, it totally undermines private property rights and the right for people to do on their property what they want to do. Hunting has been taking place in Illinois since Illinois was settled. Shooting clay targets and sporting clays has been going on for, for decades and beyond, back to the 40s. And yet, everywhere you go, people who live near, now Northbrook's out in, in the northwest, what was farmland, now it's the northwest suburbs, and people complain about that noise when they move in and build a development or a house next to it. We've got to stop this. I think Illinois, which has a great wildlife code, that wildlife code protects these. And other states need as strong a wildlife code as Illinois. And we simply have to, I believe, as society, come together to say, you know, the rights of property owners to do what they've been doing on their property shouldn't be infringed upon just because somebody moves next door and doesn't like what they're doing. That person could have lived somewhere else or built their shopping mall somewhere else. If they didn't want to be next to a place where goose hunting or duck hunting or pheasant hunting is taking place, they shouldn't have moved there. That's my feeling. Hopefully in the, in the coming months and years, we'll see a continuation of states strengthening their wildlife codes to make sure that hunting and shooting sports are not pushed out. They shouldn't be. After all, we were here first. So on that note, I'll, uh, Quickly say, next week in the great outdoors, I'm going to talk a little about having been to the Southeastern Waterfowl Exposition, otherwise known as Seawee, one of the biggest conservation shows in the country. Also, the Safari Club show is going on this week. So there's a lot going on in the great outdoors. Uh, and I hope that you have a great week and be safe. I'll be back next Sunday morning with much more on the great outdoors show. And look to the south, folks. There's hope in Louisiana, a glimmer that maybe we can begin to make progress on rebuilding the greatest coastal ecological system in all the world. Thanks for listening. This is Charlie Potter on the Outdoor Voice of Chicago and America, 720 WG.